Welcome to Creepy Crime Podcast, a podcast where two friends tell each other creepy stories. I'm Allie. And I'm Creighton. So Creighton, what have you been listening to this week? You know what? I've actually been listening to quite a few uh, different podcasts this week. Have you? Yes. So there's one that's called Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. Ooh. And it is a hilarious woman who is talking about Greek mythology. And she has, like, a degree in it and everything. But she breaks it down in terms that, like, anybody can understand. That's cool. And the other podcast that I've been listening to this week is called Mm -hmm. The Necronomapod. And I don't know if you've heard of them. I have not. Well, turns out they talk about just a ton of different things on there. Like they do in-depth shows on serial killers, great mysteries, and cults. So, y'all like, text me the name of that one so I remember. Yeah, no, I'll just go ahead and send you the whole thing when I have time. But yeah, after it's we on report, Spotify. Yeah, no, it's on Spotify. I was listening to them. I was listening to their Scientology episode. Ooh, that's fascinating. It is. Um, that was actually what my podcast, Oh Dear Lore has done this past week. That is the episode that's coming out. Ooh, I'll have to listen to that one. I'm excited. Right, and I mean, there'll probably be more, because Allie, I'm telling you right now, I couldn't even get, like, a fourth of the whole crazy-ass story of that religion in. Like, it is so absurd, and it just, every new podcast, every new page I looked up on the internet had something new. And I have been listening to one more podcast, which has been helping me on um, our JFK episodes. Mm-hmm. And that's the last podcast Soma left. Oh, yeah. Those are funny. Yeah. No, those guys are funny in some of their episodes. I, there's a few that I don't like their episodes, but overall, I like it. Sounds good. Yeah. So what have you been listening to this week? So, I had been listening to a lot of murder podcasts lately, and I was like, eh, let's take a little break. But All listen right. to some dollop. Oh, I, I love the so daily funny. dollop. It's like, basically, drunk history in podcast form is wonderful. Yeah. And then, I started listening to a new podcast to me. I'm like, way back on the train on this. Ghost in the Burbs. I don't think I've ever heard that. Oh my gosh, you need to listen to it because the stories are so creepy. And I'm sitting there the whole time going, is she just writing these stories or are these actual like interviews that she did? It's insane. You need to listen to that one because you'll love it. It's so creepy. Hmm. I'm going to have to because you know I love my creepy podcast. And it's all like creepy ghost stories that someone has told to her like different people have Mm -hmm. and so one of them's about these three women who are grown women they have kids who in their 
high school years conjured one of their dead friends. Yeah. Back. Like from the dead? Yeah. And how they see her in the corner of their eye all the time. But they deal with that because she used her powers in the um, other side to grant them their wishes. It's the creepiest thing. Hmm. You see, I don't I don't know if I could listen to that one because that would creep me out. And it already creeps me out when my dog looks at the wall and just starts barking. Yeah, this isn't one for you to listen to before you go to bed. And it's not one for Adam to listen to. Ah, okay. Well, I do appreciate that. Because that is a lot of information that I needed. So, that that actually sounds cool. I have to check that one out. And they're like 20-30 minutes each, so they're not like super long. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. So, the day that we are recording this is International Women's Day, and so we want to wish everyone a happy International Women's Day. Yeah. Happy International Women's Day, guys. Because women are important. And first of all, women have some of the most badass stories out there. I do two podcasts where we do stories, and I am never not fascinated about the women I have not heard about in history. I know. Isn't it insane? Yeah. Like, I tried to figure out how to say that because it's not an insult or anything. It is. There are some badass women in this world that you will never hear about from, like, the public school system. Oh, I know. It sucks. Yeah. Even just women in STEM currently, which is my field of study. Right. So having Women's Month, Women's History Month, and International Women's Day normally brings a lot of women in STEM things to my different news feeds and emails and whatnot, and it's always my favorite thing to read. Nice. Hearing about all the badass women. Yeah, no, like, in fact, me and Jessica, to celebrate um, Women's Month and Women's uh, Day, mm-hmm. we actually just, we recorded an episode today, and it is, um, it is Legendary Women, where we both chose Legendary Women. That's awesome. That way we could talk about Yeah. I did uh, Media from Greek mythology. Ah. Yeah, that crazy woman. <laughs> I mean, well, and her story is absolutely crazy, and it is wonderfully so. Well, should we start with our stories then? Yeah. I'm going to go first, because mine's a major downer. And I'm going to say that now, and I'm going to say I'm sorry. You know what? You don't have to apologize for that, because... I, I actually have a pretty entertaining one as far as a crime podcast goes. Hence why I'm going first this week. Cool. <laughs> so mine's about three little girls who need to be remembered. And so I think it's a good, a good story for National Women's Day. All right. So in April 19... Oh, I got my information from Wikipedia, Reddit, 
a People Magazine slash dot com article and Ranker.com. All right. And the sad thing is, is the Reddit thread that I found had more information than the Wikipedia. Really? Yeah, because Carl saw my computer this morning as I was finishing my story, and he goes, why are you on Reddit? You don't do Reddit. And I was like, <laughs> but it has more information. Look, sometimes the people just know. Well, Carl it reads Reddit, like, constantly, and it's just such an ugly website. It is. It, it's a really <laughs> ugly website. So I, I can't do it. Okay, starting. In April 1777, a note was found among a ransacked room of a, of a camp counselor's in Oklahoma. So this is at Camp Scott, and they are um, preparing for camp in the next couple weeks. So they're having a training. All right. Um, and this camp counselor went back to her room, and her room was ransacked. And in there, she found a note, and also there was, in a couple places, I heard that there was also a doll that looked like a man hanging from a tree. All right. But I'm not sure how real that is. So, so the note was, uh, was threatening, stating that when the guilty party returned, he would kill three campers. Uh, but the note was put off as a joke as the note mentioned Martians I couldn't find a copy of the note I don't know that it's ever been released but apparently it wasn't just like I'm gonna kill three campers it was a whole thing about aliens and Martians and so the count the owners of the camp were like oh no it's not real you know it's just someone pulling a prank all right but then on June 3rd, 1977, a Girl Scout camp counselor was headed to the showers first thing in the morning before the campers awoke. The night before had been a giant thunderstorm and everyone had gone to their camps. She was preparing herself for the first official day of camp to begin when she discovered along the trail the body of one of the young campers wrapped in her sleeping bag. The other two campers from her tent were found between their tent and the showers, about 150 feet from their tent. The local police were immediately called, and after they arrived, the rest of the campers were sent back home without any knowledge of what had happened. Um, they were sent back to Toulouse, Oklahoma, where their parents picked the, then picked them up. So, the police quickly started assessing the scene. As three young girls... Lori Lee Farmer, who is eight, Michelle Heather Gus, who is nine, and Doris Dennis Milner, who is ten, yeah, had been gruesomely, gruesomely raped and then beaten to death. Oh. Yeah. So the police found a flashlight sitting on top of one of the sleeping bags containing one of the bodies. So these girls had been... Um, taken out of the tent and their bodies had been just shoved into their sleeping bags. Mm. Um, the flashlight had a distinguished fingerprint on the lens. They also found a shoe print and blood in the girl's tent. It was noted that it was a nine and a half. Men's nine and a half. Yeah. So after the inspection of the girl's bodies, it was determined that two of the girls had been beaten to death while the third was beaten but ultimately strangled to death. 
All three girls had been raped, but no one had heard a thing. So, it is noted that their tent was the furthest one away from the counselor's tent. It was Their view to their tent was slightly obstructed by the showers, and they were the furthest away from basically anything. Damn. So... Yeah, so one counselor told police that they thought they had heard something outside the tent, so they'd gotten out and shown their flashlight looking for the noise, expecting it to be a camper wandering about, not in bed. But as soon as the counselor had turned on the flashlight, the noise stopped and nothing else was heard. And another... Like, it's almost like they were almost caught, and they just stopped moving, and a counselor said, oh well... Well, it's also, they're actually, like, tent camping, so it could have been a possum. It might not have been the murderers or whatever. It could have been a possum. It could have been anything. Right, like, I'm paranoid, though. Like, I would have got up and checked. Well, and they did. They turned on their flashlight, they looked around for a bit, but they didn't see anything. Yeah. They didn't hear any more noise, so they couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And I'm pretty certain the counselors were all girls since it was a Girl Scout camp, so a girl in her early 20s, maybe. Yeah. She's not going to wander the whole thing by herself if she's freaked out. It's also stated in another article that I read that another camper had thought that her tent had been unzipped at the night and zipped back but she assumed that it was just one of the counselors checking in Mm -hmm. but I only saw that in one of the articles Um, so a neighbor to the camp mentioned a lot of traffic on a dirt road near the property that evening but that was the only information he had about that Yes, just a lot of traffic Like, a lot, it's a dirt road, so normally there weren't, like, any cars on that road. And he said that there were a few cars driving up and down at that night. Oh, so just, like, more traffic than normal. So it could have been one or two cars. Yeah. Okay. So the police immediately suspected an escaped convict who had been at large for three to four years prior to these murders. Jane Leroy Hart had been convicted of kidnapping two pregnant women and raping one of them, but he had escaped police custody and hadn't been seen since. He hadn't killed these women, though. They were still alive. Oh. The Oklahoma police conducted a massive search for this man. Their search lasted ten months because they could not find him. But then they brought Jean Leroy Hart to court, but their only evidence was a single strand of hair that was said could have been from a Native American, which Jean was. But police were certain that it was him. 100%. They were like, that's, that's who it is. They'd never looked for anyone else. There was also something stolen from the camp that police tried linking to him. So days after the murder, um, police found a cave nearby the camp that they believed Jean had been hiding in, out in. In the cave, they found some of the stolen items from the original ransacking, 
and some photographs that I guess Jean had developed. So I don't know if there were pictures of Jean or what the pictures were of. Um, The jury acquitted Jean for the murders of the girls on the basis of lack of evidence. But Jean did go back to jail to finish out his previous sentence that he had, you know, escaped from. Yeah. And then Jean Leroy Hart died in prison from a heart attack, no one knowing whether he was the murderer or not. Um, In 2008, some DNA tests were run on a pillowcase found at the scene, and it came back with a partial female DNA profile. The lab was able to definitively say it was not the DNA of two of the victims, but could not completely rule out the third. It was noted that one of the victim's mothers had always believed a woman was involved. And it is widely believed that there were more than one person who had committed these crimes. Um, Just the extent of the crimes. It's always been thought that there was probably two people. There was also semen found on a pillowcase uh, that was run through DNA testing in 2008. But the sample was too degraded to get any conclusive results. Hmm. There's also been um, a convicted murderer who confessed to the crimes, but police really doubt that he actually committed them. So Camp Scott was closed forever after the murders. The Girl Scout organization sold the property, and the new owner really hasn't done much since... Um, apparently the, um, like, wood placings for the tents are still in the same places, and nothing's really been done with the property. There's been a lot of paranormal investigations, a lot of people saying that the land is haunted by the three girls. Um, but it's something that's never been solved, and with the lack of DNA samples that they have, I don't know that it will be. Um, a lot of the police in Oklahoma still believe it was Jean Leroy Hart. Leroy yeah. Hart. But I don't know if it's that they truly believe he did it or if they just want to believe it was him so that they can say that he's dead. Yeah. There are more, like, details to the story, but it's such a sad story that I didn't want to go too deep. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, first of all, you're already talking about the death of young children. Yeah, but I felt like their story needs to be remembered. Oh, yeah, no, it most definitely does. I'm just saying, like, I understand why you didn't want to go too deep. Yeah. So that is the story of the Girl Scout murders. Mm. Which we had mentioned in the last episode, and that's why I figured I should cover it. Well, see, I did a debatable crime for mine this week. So, basically, we're talking about a world leader who is no longer alive who has been praised, he has been hated, he has been 
slandered across the world, if you want to say that. And well, he has every world leader been slandered across the world? I mean, to be fair, yes. So, this world leader has actually come back up in at the last month or so in the Democratic primaries. So, do you know who he is? I do not. You know I don't keep up with politics nearly as much as I should. Alright, so the world leader we're talking about today is Fidel Castro. Ah. Yes, the dictator of Cuba. So, basically, Fidel Castro, he was born in 1926 or 25. Like, the records aren't really, really clear. They, like, everything I read said 26, except for one article that said 25. So I'm going with August 13th, 1926. So, he actually ruled over um, ruled over Cuba from like not the 1970s all the way until he died in 2016, mm-hmm. which is an impressive record. And I mean, there has been times he has been praised by world leaders. There's been times he's been condemned by world leaders. Uh, the U.S. has always had a problem with him. Well, the U.S. has problems with Cuba, so... Well, I mean, our problems are really with communism. Because back during the Cold War, when, after World War II, we realized that the people who had allies with us, the Russians, were a problem. We, we agreed that we should not allow communism to spread to the rest of the world. And so, America took a stand to fight against communism anywhere in the world. And that has led to multiple conflicts, including the Cold War, Vietnam, the Bay of Pigs, which was Cuba, and so on and so forth. So today, we're actually not going to get too heavy like into war or into politics. But we are going to go ahead and we're going to talk about the assassination attempts on Fidel Castro. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So, basically, there has been over 600 attempts on Castro's life that he has survived. And that is a lot of assassination attempts to survive. Like, just throwing that out there. Like, when we watch movies, most time the assassin gets it, like, the first, maybe the second time, depending upon whether he's the hero or not, or whether it's a comedy or not. Yeah. And Fidel survived over 600 of these. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And not only that, but he has survived multiple presidencies trying to kill him. In fact, Eisenhower tried to kill him 38 times. Kennedy tried to kill him 42 times. Johnson tried to kill him 72 times. Nixon, 184 times. Carter, 64 times. Reagan, 197 times. George Bush Sr., 16 times. And Clinton tried 21 times to kill Castro. Oh my god. Like, that is. He must have had some really good bodyguards. Yeah. No, I'm like, the worst part is our CIA actually had a 
plan put into place. And it was like 368 ways to kill Castro. <laughs> and, of oh, course, goodness. Right, and, like, and of course, some of these were like, well, shoot him. Well, strangle him. But we're going to talk about some of the weirder ones that they tried on Fidel Castro. That did not work. Right. So, we've all heard of Femme Fatale, right? Wait, wait, wait. Can we cover, before you start that, how he actually did die? Yeah. No, Castro actually died a completely normal death in 2016. How old was he? He was like, uh, I actually don't have that down, but he was like in his 80s. Um, let, yeah, let me see. Because we know when he was born, it was 1926. So, 2016 minus... He was 90 years old. Yeah, like, I mean, Fidel Castro was just one wily bastard. He was 90 years old and had over 600 assassination attempts. Yeah. Okay, continue, please. And the U.S. did most of them. I mean, the funnest part is that, like, our assassination attempts don't reach 600, which means that some other people were trying to kill him, too. So, like, most of our information actually comes from some of the latest um, Kennedy document dumps. Ooh. Right. So, when a lot of the documents were dumped from Kennedy's era, we, we wound up finding out about a lot of these. So, basically, the U.S. had a plan called the Cuban Project, which was also known, after Kennedy got into office, as Operation Mongoose. And it was a covert operation of the the CIA that was commissioned in March of 1960 during the final year of President Eisenhower's administration. And on November the 30th, 1961, the covert operations against Fidel's Catherine government were officially authorized by President Kennedy. And after being given the operation, the name Operation Mongoose at a prior White House meeting on November the 4th, 1961, the operation was led by the United States Air Force and General Edward Lansdale and went into effect after the failed operation of the Bay of Pigs, which is basically where the U.S. sponsored a revolution in um, in Cuba. And the revolution was supposed to overthrow Fidel Castro. But so, it didn't work. Right. And so after that failed, we started trying to assassinate. So we've heard of a femme fatale, right? Which is a deadly woman. Okay, yes. Right. Like, that's literally the meaning of femme fatale. You see her in all types of movies, things like that. So, Mm -hmm. like, the black widow of the world. The woman I strive to be. Yes. So, Maria Lorenzes was one of the many women that Castro counted as one of his mistresses. And she accepted a deal from the CIA in which she would feed him capsules filled with poison. She managed to get as far as to his bedroom in her, cul- in her jar of cold cream 
and she doubted her ability to force feed Casper face lotion. And so she just chickened out. She just decided not to do it because she didn't know if she could eat, get him to eat face cream. Well, why would you eat face cream? Right. Now, when the press talked to Lorenzo, Castro somehow had found the pills inside of her thing. And so, supposedly, he offered her his gun and said, shoot me. But she said, I can't do it, Fidel. And that was the end of that story. I mean, you gotta have a better plan than eat this face cream. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a very fair observation. Like, I'm gonna be honest, I wouldn't have eaten the face cream either. And how could you even convince someone to eat face cream? Well, I mean, obviously the plan was to force feed him the pills, and she didn't know if she could force feed him the stuff. How would you force feed him something? I'm guessing as a mistress, you would ride it until he passed out, and then try to shove it down his throat. Okay. Fair enough. So, after that film, the CIA discovered that Fidel Castro really loved scuba diving. Just absolutely loved it. So, the U.S. sent him a wetsuit to go scuba diving in. But he knows that the U.S. hates him. Right. Right. Like, the U.S. just sent him one as an offering of peace. Okay. Now, this wetsuit was poisoned. And it was lined with spores and bacteria that would give him a skin disease and maybe worse. Ugh, I so, hate... Huh? Ugh. Biological warfare is, like, the freakiest thing to me because I think of my field of research. Like, I hate it. Right. Like, I mean, it is And how effective it could be, potentially. So, do you want to hear how the plan was supposed to go? Yes. So, the plan supposedly involved a lawyer named James B. Donovan, and he was an American. And he was supposed to present Castro with the suit when he went to negotiate the release of the Bay of Pig prisoner. Okay. So, in 1975, Associated Press report said the plan was abandoned because... Donovan didn't like the look of the suit, so he bought one himself and gave him the other suit. So, did this guy know the plan, or did he just think, oh, they're giving him a wetsuit? I think the CIA tried to trick him into just giving them a wetsuit. Dumbass. Right. So, now, here's one of my favorite uh, ones. So, it is a ballpoint hypodermic syringe. So, basically, they had the idea to give him an ordinary looking pen that would be rigged with a hypodermic needle so fine that Castro wouldn't notice when someone bumped into him with the pen and injected him with an extremely potent poison. 
Just gonna wasn't, stab his ass and keep walking. Wasn't that what um, Kim Jong-un thought was gonna happen? I think that's what Kim Jong-un did to his brother. Yeah, but remember when he was signing something with Trump and he wouldn't use the pen? He had to have his own pen? I mean, and look, as a dictator, it's very fair to think that. Well, I mean, he did kill his own brother. Right, and it was by women hitting him with small hypodermic needles filled with poison that he killed his brother. Okay, so how did this one not work? Well, they never put it into action. This is just one of the plans they drew up. Okay. Because it says they were going to use it, but they couldn't figure out how to get anyone close enough to Castro to hit him with the needle. Another mistress. Maybe. I don't know. But... Or a different lawyer. Who knows the plan. Right. Like, it definitely tells them the plan. So, here's my second favorite one. You ready to hear it? Yes. So, basically, they knew that Fidel really loved Cuban cigars. Like, he loved to smoke Cuban cigars. Well, he is Cuban. Well, he also gave them up because he realized that they were a public health concern, and he encouraged all of Cuba to stop smoking. Oh, that's good of him. During this time, he was still smoking. Okay. So, in 1969, the Saturday Evening Post reported that a New York City police officer had been propositioned with the idea to bring him a cigar loaded with explosives that, when lit, would explode and take off Fidel's head. This police officer had been propositioned to carry it out during uh, Castro's United Nations visit in September of 1960. So they were going to kill him while he was under diplomatic immunity. In the United States? Yes, in New York City. Why would a random New York City policeman offer Fidel Castro a cigar? See, that's one of my favorite things about that theory. I can't figure it out. But luckily, after it was reported, they gave up on it. So, yeah. They got the idea of spiking his cigars with poison. In fact, they even went as far to recruit one of his own people to be a double agent who had slipped Castro a cigar filled with botulin, a toxin that would kill the leader in a short order. The double agent was allegedly given the cigars in February of 1961, but apparently he got cold feet, thinking that the U.S. was trying to set him up to be killed. Fair. Right, like, honestly. So, we're back on the scuba diving thing with this theory because I thought you were going to say that the guy smoked him himself on accident <laughs> so no so like the CIA is good at investigations right but They're apparently good. they don't have any spies that can actually do this crap right like honestly we don't have a James Bond in the mix here 
So they actually watch Castro scuba diving, which is where they came up with the idea for the wetsuit. But when it failed, they went to plan B. Do you want to know what plan B was? To throw some um, flesh-eating bacteria in the water that he scuba dives in? Nope. They decided to take a conch shell, like just a regular conch shell, and pack it full of explosives and put it in his favorite spot. They then spotted to make the shell brightly colored and unusual looking so that Castro would notice it. And they were going to draw him close enough to kill him when the bomb went off inside of the conch shell. But Castro took a few months off scuba diving and the explosive went bad. <laughs> so, There's so many things wrong with that whole plan. <laughs> and I honestly feel like they were like, look, give us any idea, any idea at all. There are no bad ideas. And how case- did you how do explosives work underwater to actually kill someone? Well, I mean, you have to think about it. There are underwater mines. That's true. So, like, I mean, the explosive underwater is not the point that gets me. The point that gets me is, like, he collects conch shells, right? Does he? I don't know. Like, I couldn't find anything that said he did, because I looked. (laughs) And so, I guess, when they were talking about, well, we'll paint it so much that he'll have to dive deeper and look at it. And then they were just going to explode it right there. So, and then he just decided he wasn't going to scuba dive for a while. Right. Now, the CIA also tried <laughs> uh, a few different things. Like, they went back to their biological warfare idea. They decided that they were going to give him a... A hank- smallpox blanket? Close. They were going to give him a handkerchief to sneeze into that contained deadly bacteria. But they never put this plan into action because they didn't know how to get the handkerchief to him. That was going to be my next question was how are they going to get the handkerchief to him? Right. They can't even find someone to stab him with a pen. (laughs) How are they going to get someone close enough to give him a handkerchief? Right. Now, you have to remember that all of this is according to Fidel Castro's personal bodyguard Escalante. Like, he's the one who has given the number of attempts. He's the one who has, like, given all the plans and all that. Plus, what we have learned from the Kennedy document. So, like, the failed attempts and, like, the stories involved were normally given by his head um, guard, Escalante. So, apparently... The closest the CIA ever came to killing Castro was in a milkshake in 1963. What? So, apparently, they were going to stick a cyanide pill inside of his milkshake, but it failed when the pill stuck to the freezer where the waiter-slash-assassin at the Havana Hilton was supposed to retrieve it. 
When he tried to unstick it, the, the capsule ripped open and spilled the cyanide around the, uh, the inside of the freezer. And so he couldn't put the cyanide in the milk cake. And there was only one. Yeah, just one. And they had put the pills in the freezer. Why wasn't he just carrying the cyanide pill? I I have no clue. I guess maybe this was later in the assassination attempt, and Castor probably had some, uh, some different things going on, like security procedures. That's true. So, not only did they try to kill him, but after a while, after tons of failed attempts, and after the milkshake incident, the CIA decided a different sort of revenge on Castro. Okay. So, according to a 1975 Senate Intelligence Committee report, the U.S. believed that messing with Castro's beard was messing with a man's power. So, the CIA figured that the loss of the beard would show Cubans that Castro was weak and infallible. And in a half-baked scheme, (laughs) they tried to use thallium salt, the chemical that you find in products such as Nair, in Castro's shoes, or in his cigar. The chemical would be absorbed and cause the the famous facial hair to fall out. And they thought that that would make Castro lose power. So, (laughs) as it's International Women's Day, (laughs) I would like to ask how a boardroom full of men decided that a man's power comes from his beard. Well, Allie, don't you know that's why they thought women couldn't be in power? Oh, so if I just get a fake beard and put it on, I'm good? That's what Hesapa did in ancient, uh, Egyptian, uh, ancient Egyptian stories. Sounds good. So, basically... Like, I she ruled as a pharaoh. Like, a Ghost male pharaoh. Ghost is giving pharaoh. you the nastiest look right now. She's like, bitch, please. <laughs> I am in charge. Well, you know what? Cats were revered in Egyptian culture. So, yeah, she would have been. That's true. But, okay. like, literally, Hetzepet was erased from history by her predecessor because she was a woman who wore a false beard to be just like the other pharaohs. And, arguably, she is one of the most successful pharaohs in history. Just saying. Just for International Women's Day. <laughs> so... After their failed attempt with the Nair to remove his Wait a second. Wait a second. Think about this, though. There's a giant boardroom of men (laughs) sitting there going, Hey, you know what we should do? We should get rid of his beard. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. We should get rid of his beard because then everyone would think he was a, a bitch. They're like, yeah, that'd be funny. How do we do it? How do we do it? And then one of the guys goes... Well, my girlfriend uses the stuff on her legs 
that makes the hair fall out. <laughs> like, you know that's how the whole story went. I don't even know if Nair was around at the time. I'll look up this when Nair was. This was 1975 when the, tenet, when the Senate Intelligence Report came out. So you know it was before 1975. So when did Nair come out, Allie? I'm looking it up. <laughs> the product was introduced in 1940. Oh my god. So literally, they were like, hey, this shit gets rid of the hair off my girlfriend's leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, do you want to know what they tried after the Nair attempt failed? Okay. And so they figured out that the Nair was going to fail. So, they tried, because clearly killing Fidel Castro isn't working. They well, and the problem is, is you have to put Nair on the hair. Right. So, how would just absorbing it into the body cause his beard hair to fall out? I didn't say it was a perfect plan, Allie. He's just not going to have hairy feet. Well, they also were talking about putting it in his cigar. Yeah, that might have just killed him. So, technically, he wouldn't have had hairy lungs either. <laughs> so, do you want to know what they did when they decided that Nair wasn't going to work? Yes. They tried to discredit Fidel, not kill him, at a radio station where Cadell, where Castro, where Castro was going to give a live broadcast. They were going to bombard it with an aerosol spray containing a substance similar to LSD, and when Fidel had. Uh, had a freakout live on air, the Cuban would think that he had lost his mind and they would stop trusting him and overthrow him. So well, literally... Well, don't they already... The Cubans already think he's crazy to some extent? Well, not really, because, I mean, there were there were Cubans who did not like Fidel Castro. Mm -hmm. Like, there were Cubans who realized that they had lost some of their liberties. But at the same time, Fidel actually did some amount of good for the island. Like, the island has, I think, like 99% literacy due to Fidel Castro alone. That's awesome. Yeah, like, I mean, here's the thing with dictators. If dictators went into office and all they ever did was horrible shit, people would overthrow them quickly. Like, other countries wouldn't have to get involved. Yeah. But... They do just enough good for their own people that their own people decide, eh, it's sort of worth it. And occasionally you have revolutionaries that try to overthrow them, but they're easy enough to get rid of. So it's kind of like the drug lords who the neighborhoods are like, well, you know, he does good. He volunteers, or he doesn't volunteer. He gives money to our children's schools and stuff, so we like him. Right. Well, I mean, it's kind of like now, even though Castro has passed away, the new president of um, of Cuba is Raul Pat, uh, Castro, his brother. Literally, his vice president, like the dictator's assistant, is still in power there. And, I mean, to be fair, he's not as extreme as Castro. He's not as paranoid as Castro. And so the U.S. thinks that you can work with him. 
But at the same time, he is still Castro's brother. He's 88. Yeah. He is. Like, I mean, soon, probably within the next, I don't know, I'd say 10 to 15 years, we will be looking at a new ruler of of Cuba. I think it might be sooner than 10 to 15. He's 88. I mean, probably. But, I mean, due to human life expectancy, he could very possibly live to 104. That's why I'm giving him those odds. Okay. So what's what's after the Nair? Oh, that's... I mean, once again, they went back to trying normal attempts on Castor after that. Oh, that's right. So then, then we had them trying to discredit him on LSD. a live broadcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a radio show. Podcast didn't exist at the time. I and, said live broadcast. Right, and that, that was actually during Clinton's time. Oh, goodness. So, I mean, we're looking at the 90s when this is happening. And so far... We don't know of any assassination attempts during George uh, W. Bush Jr. We don't yeah. know in any in Obama's time, and we don't know if Donald Trump took any shots at him, which Donald Trump, I don't think, was president yet, so we would know that he did. Okay. Right, no. He died in 2016. Donald Trump wasn't president officially until 2017. So Donald Trump had nothing to do. He made no assassination attempts on Castro. At least not as president. I mean, I doubt he did it as a real estate tycoon, too. Not, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, really, the only ones that we don't know about are George W. Bush and Obama. So, after that, True. I mean, they, they both may have tried to take assassination attempts, too. I don't know. But Fidel made it to the age of 90. And I think he ascended the throne at the age of 30. Yeah. So, I mean, 60 years worth of people trying to get rid of you. Goodness. And you survived it all. That, I, I, look, I'm just going to throw it He's out got, there. That's one tough motherfucker. He almost reminds ever. me of Rasputin. Because you know the story behind Rasputin, right? They tried to kill him like 20 <laughs> different ways. And then finally, yeah. they killed him by shooting him, rolling him up in a carpet, and throwing him in a river. Yeah. Yeah, because he had survived so many survived other fucking attempts shooting. at that point. That they're like, we need to take extra precaution after shooting him in the head. So, no, that is that is the Fair. story of some of the craziest Fidel Castro attempts I could find. There is possibly more crazy ones that I could not find. But those are the craziest ones out of all of them. Because, I mean, there was articles talking about we one time tried to strangle him. We one tried, uh, but the person who was going to strangle him never got close enough. We were going to shoot him. We were going to, like, do this. We were going to poison something. But at the same time, I am telling you right now, the explosive cigars out of all of it are my favorite. Oh, yeah. No, like, the Nair is definitely a good one, but it's not an assassination attempt. 
So it's definitely my non, it's my favorite non-assassination attempt they tried. Even though the thought of getting Fidel Castro high on LSD and then having him do a radio show also really, really amuses me. I think my favorite actual attempt was the wetsuit just because of how horribly it came about. Right, like, I just love that they're like, here, give him this suit. The guy was walking home going, that's a really shitty suit to give Fidel Castro, and went and bought him (laughs) one. I just, like, I don't know what their wetsuit looked like, because every wetsuit I've ever seen is a black one. Like, I have never seen a colored one. I've never seen one that's multiple strike. I've seen some that have, like, company logos on them. But the thought that you would look at one and go, well, that's shit. I'm not getting Fidel Castro of Cuba that. And the CIA, you know the CIA was mad as hell when he (laughs) came back going, so did you give him a wetsuit? Yeah, I gave him a wetsuit. The one y'all had was shit. I went and bought him a new one. You did what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this, like, honestly, doing this research over the past two weeks, I've wanted to see what else the CIA has fucked up. Because I feel like that is going to be an amusing podcast. And I looked up the assassination because I was trying to stay within creepy crime. And the wetsuit was creepy to me because I mean, it's biological warfare. There's no way around that. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I've done really, really dark yeah. episodes the past few weeks. Right. And well, so and I, I was you like, you know what? Gonna be a really I'm going to cheer it up and we're going to talk about assassination. Fun fact, did you know that assassination is a legal gray area for the UN? Right, like, of course you're not supposed to do it. Like, everybody knows you're not supposed to do it. But at the same time, there's no specific laws that I could find against assassination because I was looking it up. And I was even on, like, legal, uh, I think it was legalscholar.com. And they're like, oh, no, like, this is a point of contention. Is targeting a world enemy an illegal crime? And I was like, I don't know. That's why I came to y'all. And they were like, no, it's a legal gray area. No one quite knows if it's illegal to assassinate. And I was like, oh. Okay. So, I mean, is assassination wrong? According to the Bible, yes. According to the UN, eh, maybe. <laughs> well, I would be perfectly oh, don't fine. Don't you worry, Allie. I've already started a folder. I'm going to do more research. Probably won't be this month, but next month, I am definitely looking at doing at least one CIA episode. So. That is actually all I have about the assassination attempt on Fidel Castro. Yeah, no, it's actually been a really fun episode in the second half. And a really informative episode on the first half. Yeah, sorry. 
well, if you want to ask us anything, give us any suggestions, tell us where we were wrong, you can find us on Instagram at Creepy Crime Podcast, or you can email us on at or Creepy Crime Pod at gmail.com. I, I thought you were going to get me over to Twitter. Or you can find us on Twitter. <laughs> no, so you can find us at Creepy Crime. Uh, no, sorry, at Crime Creepy on Twitter. And we have a few different things up on there. Like we post when we have new episodes. We post pictures of murderers. Or we're going to start. Um, there's none up there so far. Just throwing that out there. Right, and there's Sometimes a really, really creepy photo in our background that has been added. It is a photo from the early 19th century, and none of those people are killers. They are literally just an old family photo that was at my house that creeps me out, and I didn't have anything else to protect it. <laughs> Alright, y'all have a wonderful day and Sounds this good. has been Creighton from Creepy Crimes. Bye guys. And this is Allie. Bye. <laughs>